there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus travelled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Good morning, Oasis Church. I'm Alice and I've got the absolute privilege of taking us through the next bit of our uh, Way of the Cross series. So in this series, we've been getting to unpack the call of Jesus to take up our cross and follow him. Uh, Thank you so much to Joy for reading those passages and excellent choice of scarf, if I may say. Uh, So much love for for the Whitfield. So thank you, Joy, for reading that so beautifully. Now, uh, I know we've got some different ages watching um, with us this morning. So I just want to make sure everyone feels uh, involved in uh, what we've got to share together this morning, because this is us together, right? Um, so those of you that are creative and you know, those that are maybe slightly younger, uh, I've got a couple of options for you. So Jesus repeatedly showed his love for people in practical ways, and we're going to be talking a bit about that over this morning. So I want to suggest, why don't you think of someone in your life who maybe needs to know that they are loved, and maybe think of a way to practically show it. Maybe you could write them a letter or a poem. Maybe you could write out the words, Jesus loves, and draw around that, that sentence all the ways that you can think of in the Bible where Jesus showed his love for people. If that's maybe just too much mind space or you maybe not got the crayons available, there's actually a great video that's also going to come up on the chat um, from the Bible Project that talks a bit about uh, the way of Jesus and what we're going to be talking about today. So if you'd rather do that, click onto that. And youth, obviously not forgotten you guys. Um, If you just look on your WhatsApps, there's a couple of questions coming your way as well. So I'm going to be checking in uh, throughout the sermon with with how those questions are going so so have a look at your phones and it'd be great to see some chat going on on the whatsapp now i must say i've been so impressed with hanging out the times we've got to hang out with our youth we've been hanging out with them once a week on zoom and they've been telling me about how they've been embracing walking with their friends over this last 18 months Uh, Because I know as a teenager, I was not into walking at all. And part of this might have been because uh, of the very first job my parents made me get. uh, And that was the joys of a paper round. Uh, The only perk to that job, I'm sure I can recall, were the Christmas bonuses. Um, And I must say, actually, in time, my parents, who had been so keen on me getting this job, actually became less keen. Because it turns out you can actually be quite bad at a paper round. You see, generally, if I'm walking, I'm walking on my own. I am such a daydreamer, my mind will be somewhere else. And so a lot of the time I would do my paper round, get back home and realise I still had half the papers in my bag. So my poor parents had to then go back around the paper round with me, trying to work out who I'd had delivered to, was this their paper? Because I'd just been off somewhere else. Alice Gray, bringing local news to the people of Leicester uh, by means of Leicester Mercury. Uh, Yeah, that's where I'm from. And bring on Leicester. I don't know who got to see the match last night, but yes, so proud. Um, 
But I must say, most of the news that I was bringing when occasionally maybe I did flick through that, that joyous Leicester Mercury, yes, there were the stories about um, you know, the local libraries being closed down, and, um, but there were also you know, big, you know, bigger stories. And a lot of the time, it felt like the news I was carrying just felt quite dark. There were occasional stories of, of someone getting uh, an extra school, getting extra funding or something like that, some charities that were, were getting more funding, but they were very few and far between. And a lot of the stories... I felt like the news I was handing out seemed quite dark. And I don't know about you, but it's felt like this last 18 months has felt heavy, hasn't it? There's been so much darkness around. But you see, this series that we're doing is born out of the good news that we heard at Easter. Because over Easter, we heard the truth, the good news of Jesus Christ that required a response. As Adrian talked about last week, this truth changes the way that we interact as a church family. That in being sustained in our relationship with Jesus, we move towards each other and out of all that we've gained, offer all and share as a family. And I've been particularly thinking about this in the context of it being mental health awareness this week. There have been lots of posts about being kinder to one another and that's great and that's important. But the call on the body of Christ is to be more than that. We're called to be a family. So when people come, they come as they are knowing that we're all broken and we're called to stand with each other and walk with each other, even in the times when it really hurts, to be seen and to see. And that this is a safe place to come and bring your brokenness, knowing that you won't be turned away, but loved, not out of obligation, but because, not because we've got to be nice to each other, but because we love, because he first loved us. And it's transformed us and it's a hopeful call. But what he also pointed out to us last week is that we're commissioned with the task of revealing this family, this love, this place that's safe and takes you as you are, to those around us, that people might see Jesus. How shameful would it be if we just kept this transforming love within these four virtual walls? Loving God, loving people. Now, it's not an easy call. And in fact, that was my experience when I first came across it. So I grew up with parents who, who loved Jesus and lived out their faith passionately. So from an early age, I got a pretty good understanding of what the gospel was. But what they also taught me was that when you accept the gospel, Jesus is Lord. You follow Jesus. He's number one now. And if any of you have ever had a bit in the unfortunate experience of having a debate with me, I can be quite stubborn and I know my own mind. And I wasn't so keen of the idea of Jesus being Lord and following Jesus and having his way rather than my way, because I like my own way. Luke 9, verse 23, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. It seemed a bit risky to me. I like my way of doing things, right? I have control over my way of doing things. I could predict the outcomes. But I saw something in my parents so I put it to the test. Who was this Jesus? Why was he worth following? Why was he, not, why was he worth not just believing in, but following? What is it about the way of Jesus that eventually took him to the cross that seemed so appealing and seemed to change people around me? Matthew 9, that Joy read earlier, Jesus travelled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. 
He had compassion in them. What's this word compassion? Now, hopefully a very long word is going to pop up on your screen in a second. Now, when I sent this slide through to Phil, he replied saying, typo or very deep? I'm not even going to try and pronounce the word. Hopefully Jules will be following with it shortly. Maybe. It's a long word beginning with S that I can't pronounce. Try saying it after you've done a few night shifts. The fact is, this word that we translate as compassion, actually the evangelists made it up themselves. They did not find a word in the whole of the Greek language that suited the purpose that they were trying to convey. Therefore, they had to make one up. A word that couldn't even describe the depth of emotion that Jesus was feeling towards these people, that deep love, that deep longing for them. It was the depth of this love that drove Jesus to give up his throne in heaven, come down to earth, live as a houseless person and die on the cross. This love was a choice. He was in no way obliged to love us, not genetically predisposed. In our house, we've had uh, been the joys of watching a series on Netflix called The One, which I will not recommend. It's dreadful. <laughs> but yet we keep watching it anyway, where it talks about the fact that there's a one out there for you. You need to find your genes that match. It's thankfully not a documentary. It's very fictional. Um, but, it was, but it was interesting seeing that there's this kind of genetic predisposition that you were drawn to this one person and you had to love them. That wasn't the case with Jesus. He wasn't obliged to love us. He chose to love us. Because in fact, we're not particularly swipe writable. And this compassion didn't just cause him to talk about the kingdom of heaven. He lived the kingdom of heaven. He met people's needs, healed every kind of disease and illness, raised the dead, provided food for the hungry, listened, really listened to people with eye contact and everything. He heard their hearts. He wasn't just trying to win an argument. He didn't just provide for his friends or those he thought were worthy of his help. He helped those who were in front of him, those who looked, looked like him and didn't look like him, the poor, the wealthy, the local and the immigrant, the popular and the unpopular, the genuinely hated people like the tax collectors. But his didn't, love didn't make him nice. Often when we picture Jesus, we picture some softly spoken, slightly anemic looking hairy man who would blow over in a puff of wind. It couldn't be any further from the truth. His compassion and love for people caused him to make enemies. He really irritated people, stronger than that. He said some challenging things, turn the other cheek, the last will be first. Whoever seeks to gain his life will lose it. Forgive and forgive and forgive. His compassion drove him to speak out, to use his voice and platform, to speak and defend those who didn't have a platform and were overlooked, discriminated against, even when his views made him unpopular. He knew that meeting people's immediate needs would help in the moment, but what was really needed was lasting social and cultural change that said put other people first above yourself. And even times where his protests against injustice were loud, turning over tables in the temple because he could not stand to live in a world where the poor were ex excluded from the presence of God and corruption was rife. So are there any kids out there? Are you watching? How are your drawings going? What are your favourite stories that maybe you're thinking about, about the life of Jesus, things that Jesus did that showed compassion and youth. Question to you, if you're still tuned in. One of the questions in those, that list was, what challenge you, challenges you the most about the way Jesus lived his life? What makes you the most uncomfortable? And what are the stories in there that make you think, actually, I want to I follow like that. That really stirs my heart too. Because you see, Jesus' actions weren't, weren't just founded on social justice alone. 
They, were found, they weren't founded on good feelings or positive vibes. His actions, all that I've just talked about, were rooted in the unshakable foundation of the good news. He announced the good news. Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is Jesus talking. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is this gospel? Maybe this is something you've heard a million times before. Maybe this is something that you've never heard before. Either way, it's the best news this world could ever know. So I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I find it helpful to describe the gospel in terms of something called the Roman road. For me, it's just how my mind works. It's verses that, that go through the book of Romans and just spell out for us, what is this good news? There are loads of different other ways that you can you know, spell out the gospel, but that's something that I've just found helpful. Now, maybe I'm talking to friends and I can just show them the Bible and say, this is the good news I'm talking about. It starts off in Romans 3. For we have all sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Then moves on to Romans 5. But Christ provide, proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place whilst we were still lost and ungodly. And goes into Romans 6. For sin's meagre wages is death. That's what we deserve. But God's lavish gift is life eternal, founded in your union with our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And then it finishes with Romans 10. What's our response to this saving grace? Say the welcoming word to Jesus. Jesus is my master, embracing body and soul. God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead, that's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right and then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. Jesus came to open up the doors to a relationship with our father and he then showed us what that looked like. See, Jesus didn't, live a social versus spoken gospel. For him, they were one and the same. The reality of being in relationship with God the Father meant you couldn't just settle in a life down here to go on the same. We recognize that we've made a mess of this world, both in my heart, but in the way that we look after the planet, in the way that men get shot just for being black, in the way that women aren't safe to walk home at night, and that a country that makes vaccines for the rest of the world now doesn't have enough vaccines for its own people and the disease runs rife through its streets. But what we've, what we've got to recognise is we need Jesus. This world needs Jesus. I need Jesus. And it's not just part of us that needs Jesus. It's, not, it's all of us. It's not just my heart or my mind. It's my body. It's my choices. It's the poor. It's the brokenhearted. It's the captives. It's the blind. It's the oppressed. So what was my response to this as a child? I needed to be on the receiving end of that love to really soften and transform my thinking. Because when you look at Jesus, when you look at who he really is, what he really did, it changes you. When you experience it, his love, it transforms you. You go from simply being a believer to being a follower, a disciple. But a characteristic of the gospel is once it gets inside of you, you can't contain it. It's too much just to stay in this little fragile vessel because he doesn't just give us enough gospel to fill us up to the brim. He gives and he gives and he gives and he gives until it pours out of us. 
This is our mission as the church today. We are here to bring the good news, not just the rubbish from the Leicester Mercury. Lamin Sane, who's a professor of world Christianity at Yale, said the mission of the church is to be a servant to the world in the name of Jesus Christ, to hear the cry of the poor, the wounded, the outcasts, the hungry, thirsty, the sick, the orphan, the cry of mothers for their children, to hear these cries with the ears and compassion of Christ and to respond with his grace and example. Now, this isn't just a one-off choice. This wasn't just a choice that you can make in a moment. It's a choice we've got to make again and again. Yes, it was the best choice I made as that child. I remember that point when I, when I prayed and I said, Jesus, okay, I'm going to follow you. But it's a choice that I have had to work out each moment. And there are times where it's been harder and times when it's been easier. We are constantly presented with choices. Are we going to follow the way of the cross? Or are we going to settle for comfort? Now, I'm not going to tell you exactly how you should do it or how you should work it out in your own life. No, because you don't need to hear that from me. Only you know the circles you mix in. Only you know the people that God's prompting you in your heart to reach out to. Maybe to put yourself out on a limb and befriend. But what I can tell you is it's such a joy to be the hands and feet of Jesus where you are. Because there are people for whom you will be the only Jesus follower that they will ever meet. Now, I had this moment the other day that um, really, for me, just prompted me to, to realise that actually we can bring heaven down to earth in this moment. So I'm, I'm a hospice doctor, so I, I work in a hospice, um, which would make sense if you're a hospice doctor. And I had, we had this a couple of patients through that recently that have actually been followers of Jesus. And there was one patient in particular um, who um, I got to witness just in her last, last hour just someone praying over her, the Lord's Prayer. And I was just really struck by that line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And actually 20 minutes later, she died. And it just really struck me. Okay, fine, maybe you're dealing with dying each day. You know, I'm quite aware of the fact that you know, the kingdom of heaven is quite close. But actually, even in that moment, the kingdom of heaven was there in front of me. I wasn't having to wait to, you know, after I died to, for the kingdom of heaven to come. There was a moment there precious moment where the kingdom of heaven was present in that room it was to do with me it was to do with the presence of God being there in that place and we get to be join with him and be part of that but sometimes that need can actually feel quite overwhelming and you could probably tell it feels quite overwhelming for me at the moment and you know because we're you know we've talked a little bit about how we want to be family we want to share I must say this morning my heart is feeling heavy and actually on my cycle here, I had to stop a couple of times to have a bit of a cry and just let it out. And that's okay, because what's really weighing on my heart at the moment is the situation in Israel and Gaza. But also, I don't know what's on weighing heavily on your heart. The number of looked after children in, our, in the UK that's been increasing every year since 2010, maybe that's really weighing on your heart. Or the fact that it's estimated that 40% of the world have very little access to the gospel. Maybe that's what's weighing on your heart. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. And at those times where it's heavy, that's okay. I've had several moments like that. And in cycling in this morning and having just to stop and just roll it back on to God, what I've always felt God say time and time again is just love those who are in front of you. Just love those who are in front of you. I am big. Just love the people in front of you. God is, in all of his gracious, how glorious he is, met me in my overwhelmed state and reminded me it wasn't me that was responsible for saving the world. He was already the one working that out. He just wanted me to be part of it. 
He wanted me to love that person that was in front of me. That was my task. But we get to do that as part of a family. I'm not having to do this on my own. I get to do this with you. I get to do this with the team that are here. <laughs> it's not just my calling. This is our calling. Is it a walk in the park? John 15, we read earlier, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You see, it's not an easy call to lay down one's life. They're not easy words, particularly when you live as part of a culture that's all about making life as easy as possible. We barely cope with inconvenience. I barely cope with inconvenience. He's not just asking us to take our shoes off when we come into the house. Jesus is asking us to lay aside our priorities, self-preservation, fighting for our rights and place in the world, and live for something that's so much bigger than we are. Now, this is something I want to make clear. He's not asking us to lay ourselves down because we are not of value. It's because we are all of absolute value. Because you and your neighbour and your work colleague and the person that cut you up in the queue and the person you're on the recovery programme with and the person you're up against for a job are precious and wonderful and treasured to him. He's not asking us to do something that's impossible. He's asking us to change our perspective. You see, it's only difficult to lay down our choices and comfort if we feel like we're the ones that need to protect them, if we feel responsible for defending ourselves. But of course, you can lay down so easily what wasn't really yours in the first place. The truth of the gospel is that it comes from him anyway. It's a gracious gift that we receive. And like I said, he doesn't give us just enough to get us through he gives us enough for those around us. We don't need to live with a scarcity mindset anymore. That any moment it might run out or I'd better be careful. But just sometimes you know, it is hard. It's, we're not in the mood. And I, I don't want to sell this as something that, um, I, that I just bounce through every day. I had a, a friend come over for a takeaway in the garden. Always fun. And it had been a long week and I was just prepared for just light chat. I didn't want to go deep. She really did. <laughs> um, so her question to me is, so why, is, why do you still have faith when we're living in the middle of a pandemic? She was a doctor as well. I say, we think, really now, Lord? I'm tired. I've got my takeaway in front of me. Can't we just chill? And thankfully, God stepped in at that moment. And as I began to speak and speak out the gospel, you know, it was, it was, that's all I, all I had was quite strong. It wasn't anything fancy or shiny. It actually started to do me good as I was speaking it out. Now, I'm not going to say some great conversion moment happened in that time at all. But God moved where I didn't have enough, where I was enough, where I was on my knees and tired and frank, quite frankly just wanted my takeaway. He stepped in. Because it's, it's not, if it was up to me to change the world, I'd, we'd be on a highway to nowhere. So I need to get that clear in my mind. It's not me that's going to manage the work of the cross because if he left me to my own devices, I couldn't even make the decision on my own. It's God in me. It's God in Oasis that transforms the world around us. It's his words, not ours. It's his truth that transforms. We get to partner with him. What a privilege. We're in on a mission with him. We get to be his hands and his feet. But we've got to stay fixed to the source. We've got to be spending time with a source of endless compassion. We can do that in lots of different ways. For me, it's a time in the, in my, on my own in the morning where I get to read and pray. For you, that might be when you're out walking or on your commute to work or before you start work at home. But we've got to come back to that source time and time again. 
because we can only take so much. And sometimes those times being filled up need to be a bit longer. Maybe we need to spend a bit longer in God's presence. And that's a separate talk for another time. But he is never going to run out. He's never going to push you away and say, you've had your fill, now go and sort it out. I want to end with this. Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Oasis Church, his love is endless. It is enough. He loved this world too much to leave it in the mess that it's in. As easy as it would have been just to wipe the slate clean, he didn't do that. He's in the business of restoring, of creating beauty out of ashes, to preach the gospel to the poor, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He loved me too much to leave me in my mess. He loves this world too much to leave it in its mess. He is a good God when you worship him. Amen.